Hello everyone, T-Bane here and welcome to another episode of the Revival Church Podcast. It's episode 7 to be exact and you know what that means. Um, I know that we've talked about it before, but uh, if you get make it to 7 episodes, apparently you are a real podcast and you're going to have a, a long, uh, statistically you're going to have a longer uh, duration. So, um, so congratulations to all of you that have been with us from the beginning. Um, thank you so much for listening to every week. That means so much to us, and it's really the only reason that we do it. So uh, thanks for being with us. And if this is your first time listening, um, thanks for thanks for being with us today. Um, hope you keep listening. Uh, I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Just uh, just sit back and take it in. So today is going to be another one of our sermon episodes. Um, it's a really really good one. Um, do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer on top of it though. Um, the audio quality, it's a little bit older. Um, and I don't know if it was before we got the new board at the church or, or what, I I don't know what it was, but, um, it gets a little bit distorted here and there. Um, but it's so good and so applicable to the time that we're in right now that I think it's, it's worth it to just kind of push through. So just, uh, know that on the, the, outset and uh, just kind of try to look past it if you can. Um, Before I go into that too much, I just wanted to remind everybody to uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook. It's just Revival Church Podcast on Facebook, and uh, you can email us any questions or anything like that at revivalchurchpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have the time, uh, go ahead and like and subscribe and rate and all of those different things on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening right now. Um, it helps people find the podcast and uh, just uh, kind of makes it a better experience for everybody. Um, we want everybody to be able to listen to that possibly can. So uh, so if you could do that, it would help us out. Um, and I know I say that every week. So if you have left any kind of review or anything, thank you so much. Um but yeah, this sermon this week, it's called uh, How's Your Word After a While? And um, it's basically, and I, I don't want to, you know, get too deep into it, but it's basically about how do you decide to live your life when things aren't as easy as uh, as they were in the beginning. Um, so uh, I think with everything that's going on, um, so much expectation is put on not just us, but really everybody to stand for whatever the uh, stand for or sit for whatever the status quo or the the word of the day is. Um, but it's up to us to make sure that we uh, that we keep our resolve and we keep we keep what it we keep the main thing the main thing, um, even when it's not popular. Um, so, without too much uh, further ado. Um, again, thank you all for listening so much. Um, it means a whole lot to us. And uh, let us know if there's anything that we can do different. But um, with all that said, here is How's Your Word After a While. I want to read to you uh, this morning, and I'll try not to take a lot of your time. Um, um, I'm going to read to you about uh, the book of 1 Peter to begin with, and then we're going to back up and we're going to talk about Elijah for a moment or two. But in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and uh, not an unfamiliar scripture to most anybody that's um, been around the Bible at all. Be sober. That doesn't mean just don't get drunk. It means be serious. Be serious and be vigilant. Be aware. Um, because your adversary, and there's the guy that nobody believes in anymore, but uh, Peter believed in him. <clears throat> and Jesus believed in him. And he said that he was our adversary. And it says, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He said, but whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, 
who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Amen. God bless you as you are seated today. <clears throat> um, says that our adversary uh, comes with one intent. For all of our singing and shouting and stomping the devil, we ought to be careful. We ought to be careful. Um, we should sing and we should shout, but we ought to slack off the devil stomping a little bit. In fact, in the book of Jude, it talks about how that Michael, the archangel, fought with Satan over the body of Moses or disputed with Satan. Now, that's some cosmic stuff that I'm not, I can read it, but that don't mean I understand it. But there was something big going on over the body of Moses, and it says that Michael, the archangel, durst not. Is it hot in here? I see people fanning. Somebody do something with those thermostats, turn them down to 32, whatever it takes. It seems like all the fanning's over here. These folks are here been worshiping. Nobody else has, apparently. Uh, but it says that Michael the archangel durst not use railing accusations against him. That the archangel would not get all carried away bad-mouthing the devil. He said, but it simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Um, the, he is a little bit, for all of our bluster, out of our league. And he's been around for a long time. And Michael, the archangel, would not dare use railing accusations, would not dare and nowhere in the scripture do we see the the right given us to to flaunt him. Uh, we are to flee those lusts. We are to resist him, and he flee from us. But um, so we got we need to understand that. And his intent is not masked. His intent is to devour. There's not a stronger word, I suppose, in the English, in the English language. It's, it's stronger than destroy. It's stronger than, you think of a devour. It's the same thing as eating, but it's really stronger than eating. Because, I mean, you could, you could say that lion ate that gazelle, but you still got some fur and some bone and some... But if you say that lion devoured, you, you, you get the mental picture that there just isn't anything left. And uh, devouring is a strong, strong word. And you need to understand that that's what is intent. There's a lot of things in the news recently about the, uh, you know, the opiate addiction crisis in America. And, oh, my, we're thinking what, what government programs can we institute that would tell that and this is a part of the devouring and it's it's a small part because everything in our world is designed by our adversary uh, to, to the greatest of his ability at least to devour not to pester you he's not out to pester you oh no the devil's after me you know the devil's after me my back was hurting and my car wouldn't start and no, the devil didn't have anything to do with that. That had to do with the fair tire that I'm carrying and the fact that I left my lights on. That's what makes your back hurt and your car not start. That's not the devil. The devil has one desire, and it's not to pester or to annoy you, but to devour you. Jesus said to Simon Peter, he is desired to have you. Have you reckon what the devil would do if he had you? If he had you, I'm talking about possession of you. And Jesus said, I got to pray for you because 
He wants to have you. The implication there is, is that if I don't pray for you, he will have you. And so certainly I don't suppose any of us could be immune from that. Devouring is a strong, strong word, and our adversary is a strong, strong lion. And his intent is, is not mistakable. But he says if you resist in your own willpower, no, he said if you resist him in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren there in the world, the God of all grace who has called you unto his eternal glory um, by Christ Jesus after that you have really kicked him all over the playground. After you have stomped a mud hole in the devil, he'll make no, you don't stomp mud holes in the devil. You resist him. And he says, you know what? Even after you resist him, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Even in this world, even if you resist in the faith, in the faith, and God has called you unto his eternal glory, guess what? You still suffer a while. But there is a difference between suffering a while and being devoured. And I don't want to define victory downward, but sometimes our victory is just suffering a while instead of being devoured. That is victory itself because he came to devour we how in the world could we view suffering as victory well many writings in the scripture kind of point us in that direction but this one particularly if if we resist him we still suffer we are living in a world where satan has become its god its prince and its power and we uh, will suffer whether we are our brethren in the world or whether we are our brethren in the church, these same things are accomplished in all of us and nobody gets out of this world and we are conning ourselves. That's why you know, we don't ever sing songs about uh, you know, picking on a devil. I want to avoid him. I want to resist him. I want to flee as much as possible. And I hear the preacher say, I ain't afraid of the devil. Well, I am. Because he wants to devour me. He wants to have me. It's seeming from this, from this passage of Scripture, the best I could hope for is to suffer. Because we're living in a world that is dominated in its very atmosphere. The prince and the power of our atmosphere is the devil. He is the God of this world who hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. <laughs> Hope you understand that. Let's talk a little bit about Elijah. Let's talk a little bit about Elijah. Elijah has witnessed the an enormous downturn in his nation, and he felt responsible. Ahab had become king, and it says in the 16th chapter of of the first Kings, and we're not going to read that, but in the 16th chapter, it says that Ahab had become king, and it said a little bit about him, and it said that he did more. He did more to provoke the Lord than all of the kings that were before him. He did more to provoke, and don't do that. This is just a... a <laughs> If you want a wise word from your pastor, this is it. Write it down. Don't provoke him. But Ahab had done more to provoke the Lord than all of the kings of Israel before him. And that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty amazing statement. And um, he had built groves. And you say, well, what's wrong with building groves? Well, they were idols. They're, well, you know, so harmless pieces of wood. Well, that's also where people burned their children. And this is where they offered human sacrifices to pagan 
gods, and that's where it always ended up. And Elijah the Tishbite, it says in the 17th chapter, first verse, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. I will tell you when it's going to rain, and until I tell you it's going to rain, it isn't going to rain. That's a, that's, that, he had to be awfully sure of himself. But he said that. He said, it's not going to rain until I say it rains. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward. Hide thyself by the, uh, by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, and that is, before Jordan. The ravens brought bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook, but it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Um, well, God told him, go there, brook, go there. Go, you know, you, you'll have water, obviously, it's a brook. And I'll take care of the food situation. Those ravens will come to the brook as well, and I'll see they have a few extra things in tow. And that's kind of odd, but that's the way God chose to do it, but uh, it dried up. God didn't tell him, go there until it dries up. It just says, go there. And we have this thinking in our mind that if he says, go there, that, that there you go. That's where we're always supposed to be. God called me to this brook. But no, it dried up and dried up after a while. And guess what? When the brook dries up, the ravens quit coming. It didn't matter if they are coming. Bread with no water. Uh, he's not going to be whistling any tunes, let's say. And I don't suppose, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I don't suppose that the brook was gushing one day and all of a sudden God just <coughs> turned it all off and the thing just dried up. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't gushing one day and bone dry the next, but a, a gushing brook became a flowing brook, and a flowing brook became a trickling brook, and a trickling brook became a dripping brook, and a dripping brook became a wet spot, and a wet spot became a dry spot, and then he says, huh. And uh, really, is it a brook if, if there's no water in it, or is it just a ditch? What looked like a brook is a ditch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyway, but here's the thing to consider. Here's the thing that makes you think is that the, the um, drought, that the reason he was there to begin with, the drought was brought on by his word. He had the power to say, <clears throat> all right, I'm ready. He had the power to say, all right, turn the water back on. It's affecting me now. Well, we think that we are immune because of our faith or because of our doctrine or because of which church we go to or whatever. We think that uh, we're not going to suffer and that none of the things that affect the world, our brethren that are in the world, are going to affect us. But it's true, eventually, and we are insulated to some degree by our faith. We notice that Elijah had provision when other folks didn't. But even that, he had to suffer. There are some things that didn't go his way. And we think that because of our faith and because we, we chose a certain dogma to live by or that we pray or that we uh, give or that whatever we do, we think that somehow that... that uh, uh, immunizes us from 
anything in this world affecting us, but bank on this. The things which affect your brethren in the world will affect you eventually. Even you say, well, I would never be hooked on the opiates, and I would never, but it will affect you. Somebody stole my nail gun out of the back of my truck at $400. What's that? <laughs> he needed it. So I would, I, I say I would never, you know, although you never know what, don't ever, it's not, I just don't think I would ever even consider doing that to myself. But that, the things that of this world is suffering eventually get to me. They'll get to me uh, via my children, God forbid. Some of you know what it's like for your children. Things that would never, things that are going in this world that would never uh, penetrate your faith. You've seen your children or your grandchildren affected and dragged down. The things that are in the world, they will affect you somehow eventually. The drought that is in the world will eventually find its way to your brook. But I thought God sent me there. Well, he did send you there, and he sent you there until it dried up. And when then it's, of course, time to go. Amen. But this drought was in, uh, it, it's unlike most of our trials, this drought was in his ability to fix. This drought was within his purview. He had the ability and the means to make it go away. What if you were suffering and you could make it stop? What if you were all alone in the desert and everything had dried up on you and you could make it just go away? All you had to do is acquiesce to King Ahab. All you had to do is back up on everything that you have stood for. All you have to do is back away from the things that have differentiated you. All you have to do, you have that ability. And you tell me that's not... It's hard not to just, okay, tap out. All right, it was good. I put up a good fight, and, and, and I made a name for myself, and I got everybody's attention. It hadn't rained in a long time. But now it's affecting me, and I'm going to tap out. It was a miracle already, Elijah. You have already done something great. Now it's affecting you. Now it's threatening you. You can tap out of this thing if you want to. Three Hebrew children got themselves in a pickle. All they got to do now is we got another shot at this. We played the music the first time, and we we we, we would not bow. Well, I tell you what, we're going to run. We're going to run through this again. Says the king, and you will bow this time. And all you got to you don't have to worship. Let's not come on. You don't have to worship. You know, you could just bow. That's all he's asking, not asking for a relationship here. <laughs> Just give in. Tap out. You know, that's the way the world is. The world is not asking for a relationship with us. We get to thinking, oh, if we gave in, that uh, well, they would accept us with open arms, and they would all of a sudden, no, they don't want a relationship. They want control. You know, our God requires that we get to know him and that we eventually love him. The king wouldn't say, all right, Shadrach, now I want you to love me. There was no love. It was control. Delilah didn't care about Samson's love. She his love, she wanted control. And we have to understand our relationship with the world with us a lot of times is based on love because we want to be loved. But with them, it's control always. Always. Give you enough of what you want to gain control of you. You, you may not believe this. You do what you feel like you have to do in life, and then you come back to me and tell me when you figured out I'm telling you the truth. You can love the world, but the world can't love you back. They can't it, 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 because the world is about controlling you. And, and Elijah says, I could, I could back up from this. The three Hebrews had an opportunity, a second chance to, to give control over. It's it, amazing when the, you can feel the radiation from the furnace and you think, I could fix this. This is not something out of my control. 
and I don't have to give over my soul. I don't, I don't have to, all I got to do is just, you know, bend over, tie my shoes at the right time. Give up a principle or two. Why do I have, why am I required to go through life with this stiff upper lip and everybody else does what they want to? Give up a little bit and, you know, you can fix this. But, you know, they threw them in the fire and, and all that. And they, they didn't burn. How about that? They didn't burn and not so much as a hair was singed on them and they didn't even smell like smoke. And so we sing songs that the fire can't burn me. But it can and it does and it will. We take for ourselves the blessing. We, 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 we talk about Abraham. He said, leave your kindred. Leave your home. Leave everything, and I will bless you and make your name great. Oh, see, he's a blesser. And he makes you, we love to make your name great and the blessing and, and the sands of the sea and all of that kind of stuff and the stars of heaven. We don't like the leave part, the separate yourself part. We don't have a right to this part if we don't partake in this part. You don't have the right to fire won't burn me if you don't have the part where you don't bow to the king. We don't get to do it both ways, and I know the world, a lot of preachers made a lot of money telling you that every promise in the book is yours, but it ain't. Very few, if any of them, are for you or me unless we are partakers of the principles on which these promises are hung. All the promises in the book are accurate, but they are not yours. I do not have a right to claim that the fire will not burn me until I have stood for him when my life was on the line. Amen? So there's Elijah. There's Elijah, and he has in his control the ability to call the whole thing off. But God moves him. And he goes, and you know the story about, of the widow, and I understand I wasn't here, but Brother Walsh taught a Bible study about this widow uh, a couple weeks ago and her barrel of meal and all of this. And I'm not going to read to you the, the entire story because I told you I wasn't going to keep you here that long. And you know that Elijah came to the gates of the city and he told her, you know, give me a drink of water. And so she went to get him some water. And as she went, said, by the way, bring me, bring me some biscuits that's my interpretation. And she said, well, I can't do that because I don't have just enough for me and my boy before we die. And um, all of that. And uh, what? Elijah won her over. She took the little she had, and there you go, and whipped up something nice. And it says in verse 15, it says, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he, her son, and her house did eat many days. Oh, the barrel didn't run dry. My, 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 my. I'm here to tell you, church, a barrel's never going to run dry. Yes, it will. You know why that barrel didn't run dry? It's because Elijah didn't back up. On where he was when he confronted Ahab and he said, Ahab, you're building groves, you're offering what Ezekiel called God's children to Baal. He said, and it will not rain until I say it rains. And huh, that's why the, the meal barrel didn't waste and that's why the oil crews did not go dry. You and I don't have that right until we have held to our principles when it hurt us and when it threatened us. You haven't really been a Christian until you've been a Christian when it hurt you. You haven't really been a Christian until you've been a Christian when they mocked you. You haven't really been a Christian until they have separated you from some things in your life. And, 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 and I'll be realistic, and you know it's true that some of these things are very painful. And you have the ability to turn some of that pain off. You have the ability to speak the word and turn some of it off and maybe gain some acceptance with some people you desire acceptance with. 
you have that power. You have that ability. You're not Elijah, and you don't get to say when it rains, but there's been some pain in my life that I could have turned off, Brother Walkstead, if I wanted to turn it off. Now, mind you, I, I, I kind of suspicion there would have been a whole different variety of pain that I would have been turning on at the same time. That's another sermon. I'm not doing too bad. This, this, this could be worse. This could be worse. But this woman that he met, about the time the brook started to trickle and then to drip and then to dry, her meal barrel was getting low and then lower and then rock bottom. And her son, we find out later on, after many days, said after the, he came there and introduced himself, they got to know each other, and they they found because of Elijah, the the meal barrel would not waste and the oil crews would not go dry. That they ate very well for many days. Aha! Problem solved. I understand it now. God was bringing me here so that I, I don't have to camp out on the creek bank anymore. I get to live in this woman. He made it better for me, and I don't have to eat from the talons of buzzards. I got a for real meal barrel here. I got a for real uh, uh, cruise of oil here. I got, I got me a, a, a wonderful lady cooking me up dinner. Now, you, that might not say, but in that situation, that's a pretty good gig. Oh, I understand it now. The brook run dry. Now I'm living, got my feet kicked up on the coffee table, throwing down biscuits, and, and it is, it's wonderful to be me. I didn't understand it when it was happening. I didn't understand it when it all went dry. I didn't understand it when what I thought was a setup turned up to be a shove off. But now I do. Now I do. Well, after they had eaten for a while on that, then the woman, it says in verse 17, it came to pass after these things, after they had been eaten a long time, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And this sickness was so sore that there was no breath in him. And the story goes on that that woman comes to him and says, he comes walking in the house one day, hey, where are the biscuits? And she's standing at the door and she says, what have I to do with you? What have I, uh-oh, run dry again. She's standing at the door and says, what have I to do with you? You've come here to slay my son. And she was slamming the door to his face. Well, the story goes that Elijah goes. And he says, oh, raise up the child, Lord, we pray. No. This kid is laying there without breathing. And Elijah stretches himself, covers the body of that boy with his own body, and lays down on top of that child and cries out to God. And then he rolls over, and the boy's not breathing, so he rolls back over top of him again, and he cries out to God, and he rolls over, and the boy's not breathing. He rolls back over the third time, and he covers that boy's body, and he's crying out to God, and life came back. Now how about them biscuits? All right, we'll have them in a little while. Oh, but there's another promise, brother. Hey, if he did it for him, he'll do it for you. Oh, well, don't clap too fast because that's not necessarily true. He had another chance to snap his fingers and cause it to rain and all the problems to be solved. But instead, he went and threw his body on the ground and begged God for the life of this boy. And no, it's not, every promise in the book is not yours and he is not obligated to do these things for us until we have held to our principles when it hurts. 
Have you ever been faithful when it hurt? All we talk about is the blessings, and believe me, there are many blessings to being faithful. Many blessings, but there are times when it hurts to be faithful. It's, there are times when you don't think you can afford to be faithful. There are times when you think, I can't be faithful this week. You have that power. You have the power. You can do as little or as much as you wish, but as you understand, as you, as you begin to trim back your devotion and your faithfulness to God, along with that, the promises began to fall off. That boy arose. Those biscuits were cooked. Those buzzards came. That, that, that brook flowed all on the understanding that Elijah did not compromise his position. Now, the truth is, you say, well, now that all makes perfect sense, except you know that if he had just called for the rain, he wouldn't have needed the widow's house, and he wouldn't have needed the buzzards. And <laughs> See, there's no need to suffer, because he could have tapped out early and been devoured. Because Ahab took the arrows of the enemy, and Jezebel... The dogs licked their blood off the walls. And you sign on with that. Oh, by the way, that's the Bible. The Bible's a very violent book. And you sign on with Ahab, and you sign on with Jezebel, they're going to be licking your blood off the walls. Because this world will devour you. Elijah said, I'll hold to my principles, and I will suffer but I will not be devoured. And after I have suffered a while, I will be strengthened, settled, established. Hallelujah. So don't be afraid to hold to what you know and what you believe, even when it hurts, because that buys you into the blessings of God. The blessings of God are not, I don't care what anybody on TV tells you, the blessings of God are not without condition. Find one of them. Find your favorite promise. And then look a line or two above it and see if you don't see that two-letter word if in there somewhere. I don't care. Find whatever your favorite promise is. What God ain't going to do for you. And then look for that word if it's nearby. It is all conditional. All conditional. Serve him. Love him. Don't back up when, when things get hot because that's just when God is going to bless you. That's just when he is going to come through. And he comes through as a result of our faithfulness in pressure. Our young people, Chris, I got to tell you something, buddy. You could have had a lot easier high school experience than you had. Some of you other young people, you could have had a lot easier path in the halls of your school if you had taken a different tack. Young man carried his Bible to school every day and taught Bible studies in the lunchroom and all that stuff, and, and he turned from being, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the popular little brats to an actual man, and they had never seen a man before. You could have made things, it was in your power to make things easier. But those sacrifices are going to pay young people. You could perhaps suffer less, but in the end, you would be devoured. Philippians 2 says, for it is God. Everybody say, it is God. It is God. <laughs> it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, so do all things without murmurings and disputings because it's God. He said, he said it's God. Quit griping. My creek went dry. It's God. Quit griping. He's got a house down the road. Well, I don't know. The buzzards don't show up anymore with the rotten meat in their claws. I don't know what to do. It's God. Quit griping. Don't back up now. Don't fold up your tent now. It's God who's working. It is God that worketh both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless. That's what he's interested in. And harmless, the sons 
of God, you know, you could you could end it all. You just throw that out there. You know, if you could throw that one line, you know, blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Boy, that's what the system hates. Without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse, somebody say amen, nation. We're there, folks, not just our nation, our world. We've got to be blameless and harmless. We've got to hold to our principles, folks. Sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We could make it a lot easier on ourselves if we were a little more crooked and a little more perverse. Come on, you business folks out there. You could, you, you might could pad that pocket a little more if you were a little more crooked and you were a little more perverse. You could make your education experience go a whole lot smoother if you were a little more perverse and a little more crooked. But we are called to be blameless and without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But shut up, because it's God. Shut up, because it's God. This is God who's working in your life. And it seems awful lonely sometimes. He said, among whom you shine as lights in the world. He said, holding forth the word of life. How is it, Elijah, that you could get on your hands and knees and crawl over to that little boy who's dying, who can't even breathe, and lay your body over him and give life back to him? It was because you had not succumbed to this perverse and crooked world. That Ahab, despite his power, and Jezebel, despite her viciousness, never got their claws in you. They, they, no one could ever point their finger at you. You never backed up. And for that reason, you could hold forth life. Hold on to the words of righteousness. Quickly, I, want to, I said I wouldn't be long, and I've already, I always do. Scripture says this about our sufferings. It promises them to us. That's one promise of God. You can say, it's mine, it's mine. We don't talk about those promises. But there's one promise that he made. He said, as long as you are in the world, you shall have tribulation. Now, that one's yours. You can claim it. Name it and claim it. That one is yours. Rejoice, church. And it has no conditions. It's on you and it's on your brethren in the world. He says, "Our in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, for our, now you know about mechanical advantage. I've preached about mechanical advantage. You know how it works, don't you? I use it all the time. I mean all the time. And I'm trying to move something that weighs more than I do, and I'm an old man now. And I used to just hoss everything, Paul. I need to roll that rock. I roll that rock. Nowadays, ah, I've learned that you take a two-by-four and you stick it under that rock, kick a concrete block under the two-by-four, you go, and the rock goes. I don't have to. I can do things through that that I can't do otherwise. It always, it still puzzles me, Robert, how you can take a, a hammerhead. I, you ever broken the handle out of a hammer? And you take that hammerhead and you see a nail there and you're like, hey, hammer, nail, let's do this. It's the same. You go, four bloody knuckles later and ten bent nails later, you think that stick means something. I don't know what it means. It looks like to me that it's the little metal part that does all the work. But there's something magical about that nine-inch little sticker at the end of the hammerhead that may you can. All right. That little piece of wood 
multiplied the force of my entire body. It multiplied it, I don't know how many hundred times. That little two before, the, the little pulleys that you can, you can lift car engines out of the car. And you think, wow, that's magic. And it kind of is magic. I still don't understand it. But I know it's true. He says, those afflictions, Elijah, those afflictions which are for but a moment, they are working for you. Oh, that's good. They're working for us. Well, they're not only work, they're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Everything you suffer, as Peter said, he said, if it's better that you suffer for doing right than you suffer for doing wrong. He's in whatever discomfort comes your way, whatever you have sacrificed for your principles and for your faith, that suffering will be the, will be the weight or the force that is applied that will, uh, will achieve so much more. Time it runs through the pulleys and travels up the little hand, handle and everything else. Y'all understand, I'm not crazy. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That suffering is the force. You're promised to have it. The question is, is it going to be suffering or will it be devouring? God help us today. God help us because we're facing some times in our world where we are going to have to answer the bell. And I don't know the doctrinal or the uh, religious affiliation of those people, but when ISIS takes a pistol and holds it to the head of a young lady and says, are you a Christian? I don't know what she believes, and I don't know where she goes to church, but when she, with tears streaming down her face, goes, yes. And she knows what's going to happen. Hey, I don't speak for the Lord, but for this old boy, I say, yes, ma'am. That's my sister. And I need to have a little bit of that in me. Anybody feel it this morning? Anybody says, I can't be faithful. I can't do this because it would make me uncomfortable. It would, I, it would be inconvenient for me, and I've never done it that way before. Hey, it's time to say, oh, yes. Whatever suffering I have will be the force that is used to work for me a far more exceeding and abundant weight and glory. Hey, man, the promises of God are yea and amen if, if, Stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah. And I got other things to say this morning. There's a lot. Folks, the scripture says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with world you may have to suffer for a while for your convictions but if you stand against the evil in the world you will not be condemned with the world you will not be devoured by the evil we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed. It's a promise, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted. We are not forsaken. We are cast down. We are not destroyed. There's a difference between suffering and being devoured. There's a difference between being troubled and being distressed. There's a difference between being perplexed and being in despair. There's a difference between being persecuted and being forsaken. There's a difference between being cast down and being destroyed. We always bear about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal bodies. You will recover from suffering. You will never recover if you let him have you. And that wraps up another episode of the Revival Church Podcast. 
Um, we'll be with you again in a couple weeks, but until then, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. See you later.